0: You're listening to The Desperation Podcast with Pastor Dave Martin in the first installment of our new DSM series, Icon. Here's where we're going tonight and for the rest of the month. There was actually two months ago we did this series called The Vow. How many of y'all were here for The Vow? Okay. Okay. And, and what we did is one night we talked about idols and we talked about consecrating ourselves and opening up our hearts so that more of God can get into it so that we can experience the greater things of God. And so if you remember that night, we allowed students just to kind of identify the idols that they're sharing in their heart with God. And they wrote them on these post-it notes anonymously and put them in these white buckets. And as we went through them, we realized a couple of things. The number one idol in this room And it's not just you guys, it's your generation, it's this culture, and unfortunately, it's not even just this generation, it goes all the way up into old people now. But the number one idol for guys and girls was pornography. The second biggest idol was questions about identity, Does God really like me? I struggle with how he sees me. I don't feel lovable. I don't feel like I'm a good Christian. And these types of identity issues. And so we heard your hearts. And so this month, we're going to be doing the series called Icon. Because I want to set some stuff straight in the name of Jesus for you. Because if that's the second biggest issue that you're struggling with in your life, and we'll deal with pornography at another time, We want to address this because I believe that if you do not know who you are and you don't know how God sees you, you can never live the life that he created you to live. And so your identity is everything because our culture is so dead set on putting labels on you. And you know this. And some of you are label putter honors. But here's the thing. Only God has the right to define and identify How he made you, why he made you, why he put you in this time such as this. Your identity is everything. Identities are stolen in our community or our culture because they are of great value. And so when there's identity theft, people take your social security number, your driver's license, your credit card. What happens is, is there is worth that is tied to your identity and they will try to hijack your identity for their benefit. Unfortunately, in the spiritual realm, the same thing is taking place in our lives because the enemy is coming in, and you're using a boy or a girl or what people say online about you and all different types of things, and they are wanting to hijack your identity for their benefit. And they will say, this is who you are, so they can manipulate you into doing what it is that they want you to do. But when you serve a higher power, when you serve God, when you understand who your father is, and when your father looks at you and he says, I know who you are, don't you ever forget this, you don't have to be held hostage to people's opinions and ideas and labels of you anymore. (laughs) With that said, you're an icon. Look to your neighbor and say, dude, you're an icon. Yeah. Feel like I'm in California, SoCal. You see, tonight what I'm going to do is I'm simply going to tell you how God sees you. I'm not going to tell you how I see you. I'm not going to tell you how I think God sees you. I'm literally taking his words and I'm going to give them to you tonight. Is that cool? Can I do that? Father, have your way. So according to scripture, according to God's word, this is how this whole thing started. When God designed human beings, he made us in his own image to look, to love, to reflect him like a mirror image of God. That's how we started out. That's what he designed us to do is to be a mirror reflection, these icons of God. There's a conversation that Jesus the Holy Spirit and God the Father are having before the earth was even formed. And they're having this conversation and we get a peek into this conversation As it's taking place, in Genesis, it says, then God said, let us make man in whose image? Our image according to our likeness. He didn't say that about dogs. He didn't say that about camels. He didn't say that about any other animal on the planet. We are not animals. We are made in the image of God. And we are the only species that reflects and bears the image of God. And if Satan hates God, every time he looks at you, it turns a stomach because it reminds him of the very one that he rebelled against. So why wouldn't he want to destroy something that is made in the image and likeness of God? Okay. This is why your identity is so important. We're made to reflect the image of God. But see, God didn't just make us to look like him. And that would have been amazing enough to know that we're image bearers of God. But not only that, God didn't make robots. He didn't say, I'm going to make people that look like me, but I'm not going to give them the power to make choices like I do. No. Choice is one of the sharpest swords you will ever carry. It has the ability to destroy or defend or protect. And see, our choices is what determines what our worlds look like. You see, it's because of choices determines how your schools look like and the way people behave. If they choose God's way and they begin to love like he loves and be image bearers and reflections of God as he really is, because we know who he really is in us, our world and our, our atmosphere, the world changes. our world is broken, and it's jacked up. Why? Because people have been given the power of choice by God as image bearers of God to choose their own direction apart from him, and that's why you see bigotry, you see hate, you see abuse, you see pain, and you see death. That's why. But he's given us the choice. The choice to love him or the choice to run from him. Choice. Everybody say choice. According to Isaiah, because our early fathers, Adam and Eve, our early fathers and mothers, Adam and Eve, because they wanted to see if God was cheating them out of something, they thought, maybe we should take a different path from him, because maybe he's holding out on me. You see, there's something within us, we want to be independent. We don't want anybody calling the shots, and truthfully, as a son of God, I still struggle with that, don't you? Like, sometimes you want something, you know God says no, but we do it anyway, because, ugh. There's this nature at war within us that wants to take its own path. But the problem, according to Isaiah, describes it like this. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have all left God's paths to what? Follow our own path. And because of this, God's original design was broken as a result. And so because of that, Romans 5.12 explains, because we want to be our own path takers... When Adam sinned, sin entered into the world, Adam's sin brought death, and so death spread to everyone, for all of us now are like Adam, and we're all sinners. We all want to take our own path, and so all of a sudden, as image bearers of God, over time, if we don't recognize what we are actually becoming, what happens is this. We begin to look less and less like God. God. And we've become more and more look like the world, pain, destruction, manipulation, pursuit of wealth, pursuit of status. We start trying to because we have to know who we are. There's not one person on the planet that is not wanting to figure out what they're about and who they really are. And so they're trying to find these other paths to discover their true identity so they understand why they're on this planet because this world makes no sense if you don't know why you're here and what you're supposed to do. This is why when we look around our world, we don't see icons, reflections of God. We see hate, bigotry, and selfishness. So when you look in the mirror yourself, if you hold a mirror up to your heart, what do you see? Honestly, bless you. What do you see? Do you see something beautiful? Or do you see something that you go, that's wrong, that's wrong, I don't like that, that part's ugly, that part's too this, that part's too. Is that what you see? Have you ever wondered though, as I was writing this sermon, have you ever wondered what Jesus saw when he looked at his own reflection? Do you ever think about that? You see, from the outside, this is how people view Jesus. Check this out. It's explained in Isaiah 53 this way. It says, Jesus grew up before God a scrawny seedling. This is scripture, guys. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? So when Jesus was growing up, for those of you who find it difficult to lift a five-pound weight... Jesus says, hey, welcome to the club. I grew up as a scrawny seedling, a scrubby little plant in a parched field. Does this sound like Jesus? So this is how he's growing up, and this is how people saw him. There was nothing attractive about Jesus. This is how scripture's describing him. Nothing to cause us to even take a second look at him. He was looked down on. He was passed over. He was a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. This is Jesus, your Savior. He knows what what it's like to be dismissed. He knows what it's like to be looked over. He knows what it's like for everybody in the room to be noticed except him. He knows what that feels like. Guys, he was an outcast. One look at him, and people turned away. And we looked down on him, and we thought he was scum. This is how Scripture is describing Jesus as he's growing up. So if this is Jesus' life, and he's the scrawny little seedling, and people looked at him and went, that guy's scum. He has no future. He has no, there's nothing about this guy that's going to change anything, right? How in the world did Jesus figure out that he was the son of God and come, came here to actually save the entire world single-handedly? How did he move out of that realm into understanding his identity? Well, see, there was a moment in which he's being baptized, Okay. And here's what happens. It says, as he was praying, the sky opened up and the Holy Spirit, like a dove descending, came down on him. Along with the spirit and a voice said, you are my son, chosen, marked by my love. You are the pride of my life. Because Jesus had his identity affirmed and confirmed, he came up out of the water, set on a mission to be the Savior of the world. What a difference words of affirmation and understanding your identity can make. Jesus himself needed to have his identity affirmed by the Father. And you go, well, man, good for Jesus, but what does this have to do with me? Well, hold on. Let's talk a little bit more about Jesus because Jesus when he came up out of the water he be- he became he realized that he's the perfect icon the perfect representation and re- reflection of God the Father. Hebrews says that Jesus is the reflection of God's glory, the exact likeness. That means he's an icon a perfect icon, a picture of God himself, and he holds everything together by his powerful word. After Jesus provided cleansing from sins, what he did, because his identity never changed, he was always the son of God before time began, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and so he goes back to his rightful place that he gave up on our behalf after he died, rose from the dead, conquered hell, sin, and death, he now sat down at the right hand of the Father next to the highest majesty. That's where Jesus is tonight but there had to be a moment in his earthly ministry in which God affirmed him. This matters because your destinies are locked unless you understand what God has said you are, and you go, okay, once again, great for Jesus. This is so encouraging, but that's not how God can see me. David, you don't understand what I've done the last seven days since I last saw you, Dave, you don't understand what I go through. You don't know the real me. I think too many of us think this way. Too many of God's kids still think this way because when we look in the mirror, we can't see God's reflection. We don't see an icon because of all the labels and the mistakes and the shame and the guilt. And what it does is it blocks our ability to see who God says we are and what he's created us to be. What's your identity tonight? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, according to the Holy Spirit's power, that God, that this word would come out of my mouth and speak life and light and truth and nothing else. May I simply be an image bearer, a reflection of Jesus tonight, and that it would not be me speaking, but the power of God speaking through your word as one approved by you to be able to bring this message. So, Father, may I present it with humility, power, authority, and grace in Jesus' name to have your way. Amen. Amen. There was a time where Jesus was talking about what God is like, and he's explaining it to people. He's like, "This is what He's like, and this is what you can kind of expect when you see me, you see the Father right? Well, there's this moment in Luke 15:11 where Jesus wanted to tell a story. So I love it when Jesus tells stories, because that means I get to tell the stories, right? So Luke 15:11, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. How many sons did he have? Okay, cool. How many of you all have siblings? Siblings? OK. Have you, have you ever noticed that when there's more than two siblings or a pair of siblings, there's always that one crazy one and the responsible one? Okay? Um, and, and, of course, all of you think that your other sibling's the crazy one. I totally think that's awesome. I have an older brother, John. He's nine years older than I am. I'm the middle child, okay? Okay? And so for a long time, it was just the two of us. And can you kind of figure out who was the crazy one and who was the responsible one, okay? And you're like, you seem responsible, then you're not a good judge of character. So that's kind of what you got going on here. You got these the responsible brother, and you got the punk brother who's just kind of a not-so-great guy, okay? Oh, thank you, Lord. But then, as I think about this younger brother, because I can totally identify with him, he's the one who doesn't make good grades, He's the one who's constantly getting notes from the school. He doesn't keep his room clean. He stays up till 6 in the morning playing Call of Duty or something and eating Doritos, right, and watching YouTuber gamer videos on YouTube. So here's the thing. He's growing up, and he's a rich kid to top it off. So he's kind of this spoiled rich kid, and, and he, he's just like, yeah, whatever, man. And his older brother is like the one who's making the good grades, and he's doing this, and he's working at, at the age of 13, and responsible. He's responsible. This older brother has n- no feelings for this younger one. Not good feelings. Rich dad. And so this punk kid, as he gets older, he has this idea run through his head. He goes, you know what? I got to get out of here, man. You know what? Living in this house been nice. I like living. I like having servants. I like to. But man, I gotta go live my own life. I gotta get out of this house, man. I've gotta take my own path in life. So he goes to his dad, and this is what he says: "Daddy." I want my share of your estate now before you die. In other words, I don't want to wait around for you to die to get the money. Can you just give it to me now? What a punk. So his father agrees to divide his wealth between his sons. He's saying, Dad, listen, I only want what you have. I don't want you, though. Dad, I want to live my own life by my own rules, my own way. I want to take my own path. You see, in Isaiah 53, man, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. There's a thing in all of us that goes, man, I want to live my own life. I want to go my own path. I don't want God telling me the choices to make. But I do want him to save me from hell. And when things go sideways in my life or someone gets sick, I really want him to come through for me. But I do not want God telling me how to live my life. I want him to bless me, and I need him to fix my messes, but I don't want him telling me how to live at all. So baby brother gets what he wants, though. Guys, his father's rich, and he gets half of his father's riches, and he puts it in a big bag, and then he sets out on his own path. Guys, for the first time in his life, he's not under these rules anymore. He gets to carve his own path. He gets to discover his real identity without having pop tell him how to live his life. Freedom! 13, a few days later, this younger son packed up all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. So he didn't just move up the block and start his life. He No, he's really wanting to do this first class. He, like, gets on a plane, and he goes really, really far away. It's made out of granite or something. He's convinced that he's about to experience freedom oh, for the first time. And I've got all this money. I don't need him. I'm making my own path. But Jesus says, here's what he did though. He goes to this distant land and he wasted all of his money on wild living. So he is bought into this idea that culture is saying to you you have to go out, you got to experience life. Why in the world would you want to stay pure when all of your friends are having these amazing experiences with people sexually? It's like, oh, God, I've got these desires. I'm only 13. It's going to be like 12 years before I say I'm due to a woman. and Right? Oh, really? Oh, oh. Oh, we're going to be like that tonight, huh? Okay. How many of you, let me ask you a question. This is so churchy. How many of you all have struggles See, see what I'm saying? Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Whatever he's gone down to pursue that the world is saying, dude, if you want the best identity, go after these things. He's spending money left and right to buy these things, but it still comes at a much higher cost than he realizes. And you know what he loses in the process? Family. He has no one around him. He's got his buddies. He's got his friends. He's got these chicks and stuff or whatever he's chasing. But the thing is, is money bought those things. His status brought those things into his life, but family's different. Family's blood. For those of you in here who are checking out DSM, I want you to know that my heart for this youth ministry from day one is that you would feel safe in here, that this would feel like family. You could come in. One of you could come in as the the weird uncle. We can, we can accommodate the weird uncles in here, right? And you're like, oh, I know exactly who that is. It's you, Dave. Um, no, um, but we, we got the whole spectrum, man. Think about Thanksgiving dinner. There's the weird uncle. There's the responsible person. There's the this, there's the that. We're a family, this big dysfunctional family that God happens to love, man. And so if you're checking us out, I'm glad that you're here because that's the type of youth group we want to have. But he doesn't have family, And because of that, no one's there to call him out on his stuff. This is why D-groups is so important on Sunday nights. And this is why coming on Wednesday nights is so important. Because scripture says you need family in your life. And here's why. Don't stop meeting together according to Hebrews 3.25. Don't stop meeting together with other believers. Which some of you have gotten into the habit of doing. We'll just let that sit right there for a second. Instead, encourage each other, especially as you see the day drawing near. So back to the story. This kid is spending his inheritance on things that would promise him a new identity, right? So he's got the status, he's got the cars, he's got the sex, he's got the drugs, the parties, the house, the clothes. And over time, what happens is, as he lives this new life and this pursuit of a new identity, some stuff starts to happen. So when he started out, before he moved out, he probably looked in the mirror. That is probably blinding you guys. Now, it was not blinding y'all until I came over here to do this illustration. Uh, how's that? Beautiful. Some of you got a really good free tan tonight. You're welcome. Okay. Here's what happened. As he began to look in the mirror, right, image bear of his father. You can't see, I can't see my Oh dear Lord, I don't look good tonight. Okay. But he begins to make these choices, right? So here's what happens. He looks in the mirror and... He's been partying hard. He's been chasing whatever he's been chasing sexually. And so when he looks in the mirror, he's got a little bit of this identity now, right? So immorality. And then over time, he's really become a selfish person. He doesn't care who he hurts, doesn't care who he has to step on to get to where he needs to go. He's become a selfish person because it's all about him. He's spending money that he hasn't even earned to make himself feel better about his life and his new identity. But he's like, dude, the money buys me popularity. I'm the, I'm the guy. When I throw the party, the people come to me. Popularity is like amazing. I got to have that. So he's be, being defined by his popularity, his status, right? And because of that, he brings the party He's got the money, because that's defining him. That's kind of su- giving him a new identity, right? Oh, yeah. No doubt he's got the sex. And all of a sudden, he's got approval. He didn't really have, feel like he had that before, but man, he's got it now. People approve of him. They think he's cool, he, he's awesome, but he's also a rebellious jerk right? And though money covers up a lot, he still has status even though he's that way. So here's the thing. Made to be an icon, but now because he has chosen to take a new path, he's discovered a new identity. He no longer sees his father's son He sees a different identity when he looks in the mirror. And as a matter of fact, doesn't matter how hard he tries to look through these new identities that he's bought for himself and pursued, he can't see the real him anymore. Where did he even go? That person's dead. That person's gone. Jesus goes on to say, he says about the time his money ran out, so he didn't buy a DVD set for Dave Ramsey's How to Manage Your Money. A great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. And he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into the fields to feed pigs. Now, notice something here. What is Jesus trying to point out to us? All the things that the world promised he could have, if he could just get out from under his father's authority, would give him a new identity that is so much better than what he had been given from his father. But his money runs out, his natural resources run out, and now he's applying on Craigslist for jobs to work in a farm, and the one that he gets is with pigs. In Jewish culture, there was nothing more disgusting than a pig, and this young man, who's a Jew, been raised better, had it all, pursued a new identity, found out this is where it leads. And this is his new identity. He's a pig feeder. So the young man, though, not only is he feeding pigs now. Think about how humbling this had to have been. He still is defined by these things. He's probably wishing he can go back to him, but he can't. Not only is he taking this lame job, but he's starving. He's so Hungry. This young man, Jesus said, became so hungry that even the slop that he was feeding the pigs began to look good to him. And no one gave him anything. Guys, our world is a cold, cruel world. If you just want to see how cold and cruel our world could be, just drive down to Fillmore and Twenty Five. And watch how people treat the other people holding signs on the curb. People in nice cars. People who have money. But they don't have the status. They're like, why don't you go get a job? You're not getting any of my money. I work hard for my money. Go out and do make your own. Right? You see, welcome to the world. Welcome to the how... The, the brokenness is entered in because everybody wants to take their own path in their own way. So he started out his life though. Man, with privilege, he lived in safety. He had every need met, but he's now feeding the pigs. He's looking at their dinner going, "Man, that looks really good." And in scripture it's like the pigs are like, well, "Get your own, sucker." Right? Get your own food. Everybody said, "Get your own food." Here's what's even crazier. If you research this, people who took care of sheep and pigs the only people that got these jobs were rapists and pedophiles and murderers. So when they would get out of prison, they'd have to work. This is where they would work and so now he's working with these types of people. This is who he's associated. This is his new identity. Here's what I like about the little brother though. He may be dumb, but he's not stupid. Here's what I mean. Here's what happens. He goes, Dude, I'm so tired of living like this. In verse 17, Jesus tells the story and he says, When he finally came to his what? Man, I hope that some of you who are trying to carve your own path come to your senses sooner versus later because you're going to waste a lot of time, man. He came to his senses. And I think for some in here tonight, I think God has made a way for you on the path that you've been on to be able to take an exit, to be able to go back to the path that he has for you. So this is not a sermon to down you. This is a sermon to liberate you. And so he says to himself, he says, listen, he begins to think, he's like, dude, even at home, the hired servants, the slaves have enough food to spare, and yet here I'm dying of hunger. He says, you know, I'm going to go home to my father, and I'm going I'm to plead my case, what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to say, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And some of you in here, you go, Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called a daughter of yours or a son of yours. He goes, this is, this is going to be my case. This is my speech. Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But if you would just simply hire me on and let me work my way back into your house, just let me be a slave in it, just a servant. I understand I'm not a good son. I can never expect you to be my father and, and why, why you would want a son like me. But can I just work in your house? So, he comes to the realization I want you to consider. For those of you who look in the mirror and all you see is shame, regret, failure, sin. I'm here to tell you that finding your path back to your true identity to become a real icon again starts with turning around on the path that you've been on. Okay? All this is, this is the the word, uh, the word repent means just to simply take an opposite turn and go the opposite direction of where you've been headed. That's what that word means. We've made it so churchy and weird. Repent and die. You know, these, no, no, no. Repent just means turn your life around. You see, the path that you're on goes two ways. So you can turn around tonight. That's what repent means. Acts 3.19 says just repent of your sins. Turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And he's going to send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. But our job is to turn around from the areas and the paths that we've been pursuing in rebellion against God. Because it's clouding our ability to see our identity. When we look in the mirror... You see, the world would call this journey that this young man is taking back the walk of shame. But here's what I'm here to tell you. The path back to the Father, DSM, please hear this. Is not the walk of shame? It's the walk of discovering and rediscovering God's purpose that he has for you. And the identity that he's given you as icons of God. That's what this walk is. So, little baby brother, man. He's going to try to get a job as a slave. So here's what he does. He returns home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And his father has a choice. You mean to tell me that young man has the guts to show his face here? No. It says he was filled with love and compassion for his son. And he embraced him. And he kissed him. Guys, he had been working with pigs. His identity looks like this. And yet his father runs to him and kisses him. And his father now begins to yell. Not at his son, but at the slaves. Guess what he says. He said, but his father said to the service, Jesus said, quick, bring the finest robe. Everybody say finest robe. In the house. In other words, go get my robe. I've got the nicest one in the house. Go get the finest one. Grab mine and put it on him. Get a ring on his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. we got to celebrate with a feast. Jesus goes on to say that this father says, this son of mine was dead, but he's now returned back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And Jesus finishes the story, this part of the story, by saying this, so the party began. This kid didn't deserve that. He deserves to be kicked in the face. Finest robe, party. What's Jesus saying to you in this moment, DSM? Inside of you, regardless of what you see when you look in the mirror, I'm here to tell you that God, could it be for the one student in this room, or maybe all of you, I don't know, but I want every eye on me, could tonight be the night where God is looking over the balcony going, will you you come home today? Will this be the day that my child comes home? Will this be the day that my icon comes back to me? David, tell them I'm not mad at them. Tell them I just want them back home where they belong. They've bought lies. They've been selfish. I get that. We can worry about that in another time. I just want him back with me. You see, Romans 2:4 says it is the kindness of God that leads us to turn around. He's not mad at you tonight. Are you willing to go back home? Have you had enough? Or do you need to get a couple more scars on your heart? Do you need to add some more stuff to block your your iconic nature, image bearers of God? Do you need to add some more stuff on here before you realize that there's not a mirror big enough for this world? The world will just fill this freaking thing up for you, and you won't be able to ever see yourself, but you can turn around. You see, Jesus is telling the lost icons in this room tonight, the path back to the Father, if you want to take it, is me. I'm the path. And you go, how is that? Well, you see, it says in Scripture in John 14, 16, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no one can get back to the Father except through me. And Jesus is calling out to you tonight saying, listen, if you want to come back home to the Father, here I am. I'll show you how to get there. I am the way to the Father. But you can't find another path to get back to him. I'm the way. Jesus says, my path is back to the Father through me, but not as a slave or a servant. You guys get to come back as sons and daughters, even though you've lived this way. Isn't that nuts? What's even crazier, guys, as I studied for this sermon, you know what Jesus, the deal he's wanting to make with some of you tonight that want to come back home? He says, i tell you what. I'll give you my status as a son, and I'll give it to you. Swap with me. Take your status as a slave. Uh, I'll be the slave in the story. And you go, how? No, no, I don't think that's, no, no, no. Actually, Scripture explains it this way. Christ was truly God in Philippians 2.6. Christ was truly God, but he did not try to remain equal with God. Instead, he gave up his everything and became a when he became like one of us remember how the father said hurry up quick get the finest robe in the house it's probably mine it's in the back closet go get that one why is that symbolic because this is what god does for you and you go oh that's so nice david no no no. you actually when you come back home you get a robe and this is what it looks like according to isaiah god is saying this tonight through his word I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation, and he has draped a robe of righteousness around me. Guys, when you go home to your father and you let him love you again, he puts the finest robe of righteousness around you. Your shame is covered. You're celebrated in the kingdom of God. You're not a servant. You're not a second-class citizen. You're an icon of God. So when Jesus does this, though, the power of his blood says, get these freaking things off here. Let's go. We're icons. We're image bearers of God, and we can begin to see ourselves clearly again, especially now that I turn that around. When Jesus, the perfect reflection of God, went to the cross, he took upon our disfigurements. When he went to the cross, he took these things that are represented, that keep us from knowing our identity. He took them, our flaws and our sin, and he put them upon himself so that we could exchange for his purity, his life, his righteousness and forgiveness. His status and his identity, we also got as sons and daughters, as icons of God. You see, in the moment when Jesus was on the cross, I don't know why more people don't preach on this verse. When he was on the cross... When the sin of the world began to be laid upon him, it wasn't figurative, it was literal, okay? Your sins, my sins, sins of all mankind. The sin began to rest upon Jesus. And guess what happened in that moment? His identity changed. He was no longer a clear icon, reflection of God anymore. He became on the cross, guys, a monster. You go, David, Isaiah 52, 14 says, many were horrified at what happened to him, but everyone who saw him was even more horrified because he suffered until he no longer looked human. Image bearer of God. This is what sin does. It makes us something other than what we were designed to be. This is the power of sin, guys. Why? Why? Because he wanted to take on that disfigurement, that sin, that deformity that is on you. As those who have chosen to take their own path, it's got to go somewhere. He says, put it on me so that they can be sons and icons and daughters of God. Put it on me. I'll become the monster. And then God, put your wrath all over me and I'll even pay the price of their sin so that they could become icons, so that they could come and realize who I am, how much you love them, that the door is open to the Father's house. I'm not mad at them. I I want to make a way. Scripture explains the fact is it was our pains that he carried. It was our disfigurements, all the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself. That God was punishing him for his own failures. But guys, Scripture says God says prophetically by Isaiah, it was our sins that did that to him. It was our sins that ripped and tore and crushed him. He took the punishment that made us what whole. Through his bruises, we get healed. We're all like sheep who have wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, Scripture says. And God has piled all of our sins, everything that we've ever done or will do and have done, on him. On him. Jesus took it for you. 2 Corinthians says, though, Jesus became sin who knew no sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. Jesus never lost sight of what you were made originally to do and to be. He made you an icon, He declared you to be an icon, and you will forever be an icon if you allow yourself to be an icon. But this is going to require you to get off the path of personal pursuit to find a better identity. You will become something that you never want to become. If someone were able to achieve what the world promises, they would never die. Think about that. The world promises the best life ever, and yet those who spend their whole life for the best life ever always wind up taking their last breath. And if it gave what it promised, you would have life eternal. We're looking for eternal life, and it's only going to be found in Jesus and allowing him to make lost icons in this room sons and daughters again. You see, when you put your faith in Jesus as the band comes up, since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, and I'm speaking practically to you, so keep your eyes on me because this is now your time to respond. Throw off your old sinful nature, DSM, and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature. Created, Your new nature is to be created like God, truly righteous and holy. Tonight God says to you, it's time to come back home. DSM, tonight is the night you got to come back home. God says to you through his word in closing. He says to me, and I want you all to hear this, turn off the lights in here in the crowd. I, close your eyes. Listen to what God is saying to you tonight. This is his words, not mine. He says to me, to me, you are very dear and I love you. That's why I gave up the nations and the people to rescue you. Don't be afraid, I'm with you. From both east and west, I will bring you together. I will say to the north and to the south, Free my sons, free my daughters. Let them return from distant lands. They are my people. I created each of them to bring honor to me. Forget what happened long ago. Don't think about the past. I'm creating something new. There it is. Do you see it? I've put roads in the deserts, streams and thirsty lands, and I will wipe away your sins because of who I am, and so I will forget all the wrongs you have done. And so tonight, I don't know if I've ever preached a more beautiful story in my life. When you allow scripture to really illuminate itself and you just kind of just say what God is trying to say something happens and something is happening in this room the only thing that would have kept that young man from turning around and coming back home would have been one thing and one thing only, his pride And the thing that's going to keep you in the seat that will keep you from becoming or rediscovering your iconic status as a son and a daughter of God will be your pride. And so here's what I want you to do. Some of you tonight, if we could turn down the audio a little bit. Some of you tonight, you've never understood that this is how God really sees you. You thought that just working really hard, being a slave in God's house, you know, making good decisions, voting the right way, not listening to these bands or whatever it is, you thought that that is what earned you a spot in the house of God, but we've learned tonight actually Jesus is the only one who earned your spot. He paid for it completely. Your job is to decide, do you want to become what you were really created to be and that is an icon of God? Because if you do... I'm going to ask you all to quietly stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. And what I'm going to ask you to do, for those of you in here who have never made a decision to come back to God through Jesus, putting your faith in him and what he's done for you to receive this gift of salvation and grace and forgiveness, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm not going to make you do anything weird, but I want to, as an expression for you, as an expression of going home to the Father, I'm going to ask you, If you want me to pray with you right now, get out of your seat right now and come up front because God wants to save you. Come on up. Who wants salvation? Who wants to be forgiven? Just hang out, come on. Who else, come on? Yeah, see? You see, the message of the gospel isn't old, y'all. It transforms lives. It restores souls. Who else in here? Who else in here? You've never given your life to Christ, but tonight is the night where it made sense and you're like, okay, I'm in. You don't even have to be the first one out of the seat anymore. And I'm not going to stretch this out because I figure if you want to come home, you can come home. And if you don't, man, that's totally fine, I guess. And we love you and we want you to keep coming totally fine, but you're missing out. That's why I put it that way. Anybody else? So I just want you to come up right in front of the stage. For those of you who came up, just come right up here in the front of the stage. It takes a lot of guts to do what you just did because you're thinking, oh my gosh, everybody's looking at me and what is this hyper guy with the white ball cap going to make me do? I'm not going to make you do anything. I just simply want the honor of praying with you so that you can come back to the knowledge of what it means to know God. So for you guys, in DSM, I want you to extend your hands out and I want you to begin to pray over these, these students in here. These are your, your brothers and your sisters. These are beloved children of God. And they're about to exchange their status for their new status to become icons. And so students who came up here, just pray with me. And just, this, the prayer doesn't save you, but God is looking at the sincerity of your heart and he can't wait for you to come home. So let's get this thing going. So pray with me, dear Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I repent, I turn around from my way and I want to go back home. I want to go be with the Father and I trust you Jesus to lead me to the Father. So in this moment I exchange my shame for your robe of righteousness. I exchange my sin for your forgiveness. I exchange my old identity of sin so that I may become an icon of God. Here's my life. I wanna come home. I believe, Jesus, that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead on the third day. I believe that you're at the right hand of the Father hearing my prayer and bringing me back home to the Father. Thank you for making me a son. Thank you for making me a daughter. Thank you for giving me a new identity. And I ask for this in faith, in Jesus' name. Amen. And students, I just want to congratulate you. DSM, that was a sweet clap, but I really don't think it came in anywhere close. When Jesus said, so let the party begin, I think it needs to sound like more like a party in here instead of a golf game. Can we do better than a golf clap? I love you guys. You know I love you guys. Dude. I'm going to hug all of them, man. Y'all just hang tight. And we got a miniature dab to punctuate the night. So here's what I'm going to ask. I wish you could see the tears that I see up here of joy. It's beautiful. So students, here's the thing. Some of you, you've lived with the Father. You know what it's like to eat His food. You know what it's like to know Him and be close to Him. But guys, some of you in here, you have been trying to find the combination to get out of the gate to start your own path. You know it. And so I'm going to hit you guys hard. I'm sweet to them. But for the rest of you in here, y'all are starting. some of y'all are starting to live like knuckleheads and you're starting to compromise. And you're allowing sin and you're allowing things into your life as icons, and you're going, oh no, that looks so much better in my life than what God, are you kidding? So may the power and the conviction of the Holy Spirit be upon you. I need all my DLA uh, team to come up here. We're just gonna do a time of ministry, okay? If you need to be prayed with, if you need to be prayed with, this is our ministry time right now. If you need to come back to God because you know you've been compromised and acting a fool, then this is for you tonight is the night that we be real and tonight is the night we begin to live as icons and sons and daughters of God come to the altar let's begin to worship